You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. So I'm so pumped for today. Um, So about a year and a half ago, I I went to a conference in Medicine Hat and I asked Pastor Hayward if I could just go and go to a conference and get a little bit of a recharge. At that time, I was feeling like um, my cup was half full. I had been giving out a lot just in all of the different areas in life that we give out in. And Pastor Hayward said, yeah, you you do that. You uh, get your cup filled. I'd never been to a conference at this particular, um, with this particular church before. And, you know, as a Christian, we go to conferences occasionally. Not all of us do, but some of us really like to go to conferences and to get fed in other places. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um... But at this season of my life, I had slowed down on going to conferences, and then um, I just felt like I really needed to go somewhere and get my cup filled. So I, a couple girlfriends and me, we got in a vehicle. <clears throat> we went to this conference. It's called Pursuit Conference, and um, it's all about you pursuing God and God pursuing you and how it's just like a back-and-forth thing that's happening, right? Um, anyways, at this conference... Um, Having been someone that's gone to conferences before, I slowed down going because I actually was really feeling like I, I was going and I was hearing the messages, but it, they weren't changing me. <laughs> like I was hearing them and at the moment it felt good. You know, you, you like it when it feels good. We all like to feel good. The messages felt good, but I actually wasn't being transformed by the messages. And that's where Holy Spirit was like, back the truck up. <laughs> you, have to, you have to stop going to conferences unless, unless I tell you and I give you direction, yeah, you can go to this one. So that's kind of been where I've been at. But I went to this conference and I heard a message um, from a fellow. His name is Mark Anderson. I'll just tell you a little bit about him. He's been uh, a missionary for over 40 years. He spent his life not in the comfortable, luxurious Canada but he spent his life going um, over overseas and going in places where there's uh, dire and desperate need. And you know, as a missionary, I can't <clears throat> I can't imagine that. I I've been born and raised in Canada, and we really do truly live a luxurious lifestyle compared to most people in this world. I call it luxury because that's you know God's amazing. He gives us all of these extra things all the time, but most people in the world, other than the U.S. and Canada, there's a lot of people that don't get and have what we have, you know. So he shared this message, and it just, like, completely rocked me to my core. Um, And he asked us all a question, and um, might I say, like, this conference was really great to begin with, but he asked us this question, and thank you, Rhea, my mouth is dry already. Um, he asked us this question, and he said, what are we living? What are we living? I better look at the time. Okay. Whew, I'm going to have to hustle. What are we living, church? What are you living? Amen. And we should be. We should be. So when he asked this question, I was just like shaken to my core. Because at this time, I, I was serving. I'm serving in the local church. I'm, we're raising our family up in the Lord. We're doing the things. But when he asked me that question, I couldn't help but reflect and look on myself and just know that I actually still had a lot of work to do. And I still wasn't living like the Christian that God has called me to live. And so I feel like that's a good question. I feel like that's a good question for us. What are we living? (sighs) 
are we living out like what true Christianity looks like? So Mark Anderson talked about he goes on the mission field and he sees all these people and he sees all these children and he's, he's surrounded by all of this poverty and he's surrounded by all of this need. He's surrounded by, um, you know, he's, ha he's working, getting his hands dirty, serving, um, being the hands and feet of Jesus. But when he comes back to Canada, he is just shocked at, at how kind of like the church is in Canada. And I'm not... This is an amazing church. This is an amazing body of people. There are beautiful, real Christians here living out God's will. I know because I see it. But I'm just saying, like, when he said, what are we living, he was comparing it to, like, you know, other parts of the world. Then he comes back to Canada, and it's like the church here, like, oh, man. We, basically, he was saying, like, what are we living? Are we walking it out? And we got we to gotta kind of get moving. We got to get moving. We have to get um, our hearts, our, heart, our hearts, our spirits focused on the right thing. So Matthew 6.33 this one isn't Gord. This one isn't in my notes up there. But Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So to seek the kingdom of God above all else means to put God first in your life. Put God first in your life. So God fills your thoughts with his desires. And then it means to take on his character pattern and to serve and obey him in everything. In everything, every day, every moment, all the time. Serve and obey him. What is really important to you? What's really important to us? And when we wake up every morning and uh, <clears throat> before we get going with our day, what is our focus? <clears throat> so, Lord God, I just thank you, God. I honor you, Lord. Jesus, you are worthy to be praised. We just honor you in this house. And God, I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you, you I know you're here, God, but Lord, I just pray that you would just give each person here revelation knowledge of your love and of your goodness, and of your kindness, and of the calling, God, that you've placed on each person sitting here today. Lord God, I pray that each person here would never be the same again after today. And Lord, we just give you all the glory, because this is, this is all yours. <laughs> this is all yours, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to just give a quick point form on my life for some of y'all that don't know. <clears throat> some of the struggles I've personally been faced with, um, addiction, drugs and alcohol for probably a bit more than 10 years. <clears throat> this is prior to being saved. Um, I've been divorced, I've been divorced once. I've had one child out of marriage. Um, I was raised by two, my, my parents, amazing, wonderful people, <clears throat> but not churchgoers at all. Um, I was sexually abused um, when at a, as a really young girl by a female. Um, and as, as a little girl, I actually never felt normal. Like, I never felt like I, uh, I, just, I just didn't feel, I don't know what normal fe feels like, really. What does normal feel like? <laughs> but I never felt normal as a little girl. I noticed there was something different about me. Um, after having my son... I was diagnosed with chronic depression. So I started to see a psychologist after my first son, and she basically said, like, after a few appointments and really getting down to the nitty and gritty, you know what? You've had chronic depression, like, your whole life. Like, there's no doubt. So I was like, when she said that to me, it actually really helped me to understand for the first time what had been going on, you know, because I reached out for the drugs, I reached out for the alcohol, I reached out for the promiscuous lifestyle, I reached out, I was reaching out for all of these things, um, the party lifestyle, but really at the core of it all, I was having mental health issues, but I didn't know. And when I was younger, you actually, you didn't talk about any of that kind of stuff. Um, it's only now in this generation that we actually talk about stuff a bit more than back in, back in the day. Even when my parents were young, they didn't talk about stuff, right? So um, those are some of the struggles I've had in my life. <clears throat> but the gospel. But the gospel. But the Great Commission. Amen?
I'm sure that there's a lot of people here um, that you have stories similar to mine. Actually, I know many, many people who do. I'm sure there's lots of people here. You've had struggles, and you are saved now by the grace of God, and he found you. He left the 99 to come find you and get the one. Amen? Um, we're going to hop right into Jeremiah 29.11. So Jeremiah 29.11, one of my favorite scriptures. We all, a lot of us know it. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. So that's King James Version. I'm going to read the message. I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29:11. one more time. I just want us to really get this in. For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. They are plans, in brackets, they're tasks. For good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You can find that in the New Living Translation. So in my Bible notes, it says, we're all encouraged by a leader who stirs us to move ahead. Someone who believes we can do the task that he has asked of us. Um, God is that kind of leader. God is that kind of leader. He believes that what, what he asks of us that we can do. He's a good leader. <laughs> And as long as God, who knows uh, the future, provides our agenda, and he goes with us as we fulfill his mission, we can have boundless hope. So the part I want to highlight here is where it says in the notes, he goes with us as we fulfill his mission. It's his mission. So when I used to look at this scripture, I love this one because it gives a lot of hope. This one, Jeremiah 29, 11, gives so much hope to us as believers. But the thing, the thing is, is I would look at it and I would be like, oh yeah, God is good. Oh yes, my future is going to be good. And I would get all excited about this scripture. And then when you study it a little bit deeper, you realize it's not my plans. It's not my plans that I'm making. And that's the, the hope in the future he's given me is of my plans. It's his plans. It's his tasks he has for me. And it's his mission. It's his mission he has for me in my life to walk out while I'm here planted on earth, which is only temporary because I am going to heaven. So the, the thing I want to share with all of y'all is um, he's going to go with us as we fulfill his mission. So I, I want to just like stop for a second. I'm going to do a lot of question asking because this is, for me, this is how I look. I take a real good look at myself, which I do very often, um, just because that's, that's how I get change, is when I take a good look at myself, Holy Spirit highlights something to me that's an issue, and I look at that thing, and then I start hammering it out in the Word and with God, and then that's where change comes, right? But do you actually believe that scripture? Do you, sitting here today, do you actually believe um, God has a plan for your life? He has a purpose, that it, it's your purpose is filled with hope, um, and do you believe that he has tasks for you to do? Like, have you ever thought of it that way? And amen. Awesome. You know, the reason I'm asking, the reason I'm asking that is because for some of us, um, like Mark talks about it, and it's been said before a lot lately, is we come to church on the Sunday and we, we go home and we might read, we might read our, the word once, right? Um, and, and, you know, our relationship with God, it, it, it doesn't really grow past that, past coming into the building and then going home. Maybe we do a devotional. Maybe we pray before meals and it's kind of just a formality, you know? And God wants us and requires of us to get past that formality, and to get past religion, and to actually have a relationship with him. He actually wants us to know him personally. And so that requires our time. 
knowing God personally. That requires more than just coming on Sunday and sitting in the pews and getting a message and going home and then what we feed off that one message for a week. Oh, man. I starve when I do that. I starve myself when I do that, literally. I can feel it. I can feel it. And so I feel like this is a dilemma in the church. Um, I feel like this is a big dilemma. And, and I don't feel like it's helping us to fulfill the mission that God has over all of our lives. Um, and so um, where am I now? Because now I'm just doing a lot of speaking and I'm not on my notes. So God, God wants us to actually know him. So Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of, out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. So, so in it, we hear that the book, the, the words in scripture should not depart from our mouth. So one, we should be reading the word. Two, we should be speaking the word. And, and by doing this, the Bible is saying we will be prosperous. We will have a good life. We will have a successful life. So the effect of meditating on God's word is that we can observe to do according to all that is written therein, and that that will make it possible for our way to be prosperous. Here, prosperity, it isn't talking about financial prosperity. It's, it's, um, it has in mind the life of the person who first reads it. So when we're not learning past Sundays, when we're not in the word, and if we don't have dialogue going back and forth with Holy Spirit, how can we believe, how can we believe God? How do we believe him? How do we believe him if we're not getting it in our hearts, in our spirit, man? How, so how, therefore, how do, we, how do we do what we're called to do and get out there and be the light in a dark world every day if we don't believe God. Because to believe him, we have to actually have that word hidden in our heart. And to believe him, we actually have to have a, a dialogue, a daily dialogue back and forth going with God. Like, it's one thing to say, I believe in God, but it's another thing to say, I believe in God, but I have a relationship with Jesus and Holy Spirit. And every day of my life, I'm walking that out with Holy Spirit. Are you guys picking up what I'm, what I'm putting down? Okay, amen. So to believe fully, we have to know. We have to know him. We have to take time to get to know him, to believe him, okay? The reason why I bring this up is because I feel like that could be a lot of the issue why sharing the gospel and doing the Great Commission, what we're all called to do, is something, it's an area we're lacking in, as believers, we're lacking in just sharing the gospel, sharing the love of God with other people, or doing, doing something that would exemplify love to people so that they could see Christ in us. You know, we're, we're lacking a little bit in that area, and I feel like it's because some of us might not even know that that's, that is one of our primary purposes for being here. The Word says we're supposed to preach the good news. I'll get to that. I'll get to that at the end here. Um, so Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am Lord, who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. So in life, we tend to admire wisdom, power, and riches as people. Um, but God puts a higher priority on knowing him personally. There's a higher priority put onto that. Um, and that our life would, ref would reflect justice, righteousness, and love. Because that is what God stands for. He stands for justice, ju justice righteousness, and love. Um, and does our life reflect that? Does our life reflect that? 
And I know I'm bringing the hammer down here a little bit <laughs> on us, and I'm, I'm asking us to ask ourselves these questions, but it's only because God loves you, and God loves Cold Lake, and God loves this whole entire world and this nation, you know, so much that he sent his son to die so that pe people could be saved and have eternal life, right? So are we living out are we living out the mission? Are we living out what we're supposed to what we're supposed to be living out on a day-to-day -day basis? So the mission he's given us, most of us already know what it is. We are called to share the good news. We're called to share the good news. I know Jesus because somebody shared the good news with me. That's how I know. And actually it wasn't in a church. Ironically enough, <laughs> this is a great place. This is where we, we teach the word. But actually, it was in a coffee shop that, that somebody shared the good news with me. It wasn't even in a place like this. But the thing is, is they took the time and they did what they felt they were called to do. So God has given us this task to share the good news, all of us. And that does include the Great Commission. So we need to go back to the gospel we need, to be, we need to be about the Great Commission. There's a lot of things we focus on in life, a lot of things we get sidetracked with. Man, it's so easy. It's so easy. Between Facebook and social media, between even family, you know, there's a lot of things. But um, God is calling us to get back to the gospel and sharing the gospel as a church. That's why the church is here. If you look at our mission statement, it's centered around that. It's centered around that. So I just want to encourage y'all, look at the person sitting beside you and say, I'm going to share the good news. <laughs> All right, we're going to move to 1 Corinthians 15, th verses 3 to 4. For I delivered, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So let's talk about Jesus here for a minute. And I think this is really important just because there are people here who might not be saved yet, might not have a personal relationship. And so you need to know a little bit about Jesus. And for the rest of us, it's always great to hear about Jesus. So let's talk a bit about him. So who is Jesus? Some say the greatest human being who ever walked on this planet. I think that's probably what he was to, to me more than that, but I, he definitely was like the best person that walked on, the plan, on planet Earth. Um, he was a man. He's, some of us call him our savior. Um, son, son of Mary. Also, Jesus is God. Jesus and Holy Spirit and God together make the Trinity, three in one, Trinity. And you cannot have one without the other. So Jesus came to earth to do what? Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That was his mission. He came to seek and save those who are lost. And Jesus only lived 33 years, a short 33 years. But wow, what, a, what an impact. He, he never went to Bible school. He never went to university. Some have called him a prophet. Some have called him a revolutionary. Some believed he was the devil. And with all that we think, here we are centuries later, and uh, we're talking about him. We're talking about Jesus. <laughs> we're believing in him. We're placing our trust in him. And for those of you that ha don't have Jesus in your heart, you know, you haven't accepted the Lord, um, by the end of today, you'll have the opportunity to do that. Um, Jesus, we know Jesus walked. We know he ate. We know he had close friends. Uh, we know he was tempted, but he never sinned. And we know he was led by compassion. Everywhere he went, he was led by compassion. And actually, if you read the Gospels really closely, you'll see, like, oftentimes before Jesus healed, it, it would say, he was led by compassion. And then, you know, so he had big compassion. Um, he did not come to condemn the world. John 3.18. 
Matthew 4, 23 to 24 says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and the people soon began bringing him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Jesus preached the gospel. He preached the good news to everyone who wanted to hear it. And the good news is that the kingdom of heaven has come. That God is with us and that he cares for us. Christ can heal us, not just of physical sickness, but of spiritual sickness as well. And there's no sin or problem too great or small for him to handle. Jesus' words were good news. And the reason they were good news is because they offered freedom, they offered hope, they offered peace of heart, and eternal life with God. The good news. Mark 9.34, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, tape up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But give up your life for my sake and the sake of the good news, and you will save it. And I believe we're called to do that today. We're called to pick up our cross daily. We, we've talked about it before. Mark's talked about it. I remember his illustration actually up, up here. <laughs> um, you know, we're called to pick up our cross. We're called to pick it up daily. And it, it, uh, it means laying down our selfish inhibitions. It means laying down, um, you know, anything that we have that is getting in the middle of our relationship with God, we're supposed to lay that down. Anything that we have in our life that's, that we're idolizing, you know, maybe we're addicted to a TV show, maybe we're addicted to pornography. There's, there's so many things, really. We could be addicted to food. Anything we're putting before God in that relationship is considered idolatry. And, you know, we're supposed to pick up our cross daily. So the Romans, um, Mark's original audience, they knew what picking up or taking up the cross meant. Death on a cross was a form of execution used by Rome for dangerous criminals. A prisoner carried his own cross to the place of execution. Used by Rome for dangerous criminals. Repeat. <laughs> um, a prisoner carries his own cross, signifying submission to Rome's power. So what, what today does taking up our cross, what does that mean to us each individually? And where, where are we? Where are we in the journey of daily picking up our cross? When we wake up in the morning, where are we? Where are we all at? So I believe that there's a direct connection between us picking up our cross daily um, and being good stewards of, of our faith and us sharing the good news. I believe there's a direct connection. Because if we're going to pick our cross up daily and we are going to seek ye first the kingdom of God, you know, we are going to be steeped in godly things. We are going to be focused with godly thoughts, godly initiatives. When we have conversations, it is going to be a godly conversation. Somehow, somehow, some way, God will come up or, you know, can I pray for you or something. You know, when we, when we seek you first, the kingdom of God, our life actually looks different. And I just want to encourage you all that are here today. Some of you work in the oil field. Some of you work... Um, as, as school teachers, some of you work in uh, nursing homes, wherever it is you go and whatever it is you're doing, if you're really in this thing, if you've made a decision for Christ and that's what you're living for, I encourage you just to pick up your cross daily. I encourage you to wake up in the morning and remember, we're called to seek ye first the kingdom of God. And that when we do that, our life looks different. Our conversations look different. There's not, there's not, <laughs> we're not perfect, but when we come into the, the room, the atmosphere should shift because we're carrying and stewarding the presence of God. 
It should be such a real tangible thing in our life that people's heads turn when we walk in the room. This is what it means to be a true Christian. Pick up our cross daily, seek ye first the kingdom of God, love God, and love our neighbor. These are the things we're called to do. These are the things we're called to do. So, okay, let's get back to this. Okay, so picking up our cross. <clears throat> okay, I love this. So Jesus uh, used the image of carrying the cross to illustrate ultimate submission required by his followers. So ultimate submission. Wow, those are two big words. Ultimate submission? That's crazy. How many of us are living in ultimate submission to the Holy Spirit? These are the things I think about. So I'm just laying it out to you like if you're at my kitchen table. And this is what I think about. Like what does it look like to live in ultimate submission? Okay, Jesus, he's not against pleasure. So some people sitting here are probably going to think, oh my gosh, picking up the cross? That's like, that. what kind of fun life is that? Or whatever. Whatever's going on through your head. I get it. I get it. Because we all want to have some sort of control over our situation, right? We all want to have some sort of control over our life. You know, and ultimate submission means we're releasing the control. We are called to release it. But Jesus says, so he's not against pleasure, nor was Jesus saying that we should seek pain needlessly by picking up the cross, because some people are probably like, that's painful to do that. Jesus was talking about the heroic effort needed to follow him moment by moment to do his will, even when the work is difficult and the future looks bleak. That's what he's calling for us to do. That ultimate submission means moment by, moment by moment, I'm tracking with the Holy Spirit. Moment by moment, even though, you know what? It's getting hard. It's getting uncomfortable. But I'm still going, I'm still tracking with the Lord. Now, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to tell you a quick story here. I, my little guy, Luca, he's amazing. But he's also challenging. And I had him about two and a half, three years ago. And at that time I had him, I was still serving in women's ministry here, just like I am today. Um, and I, I had a choice. I could have really, I could have just kind of stepped down from women's ministry and just really focused on my, new, my newbie, my new baby, and just did that. I had a choice, right? And going back and forth with the Lord about it, I wasn't really able to do that. It was like, no, stay in it. And it's kind of like, God, this is going to be really hard. I am not a 20-year-old woman anymore. <laughs> this is going to be challenging. I'm not young and spunky. I have, I'm married. My husband works away in Fort McMurray. I have all of these things, just like all of you here today have things. But this is going to be hard. And the Lord was just like, keep, keep doing it. It's going to be difficult, but keep doing it. And I'll tell you, the last few years have been the toughest years of my life being a Christian, period. The toughest, the most trying, the most challenging, lots of stuff coming up against the church. You know, God has a plan for this church. So the enemy doesn't like that, right? He's got a plan. He has, he has things for us to do. He has things we've been called as, as a church body, you know, and we have our mission field, Cold Lake, so he doesn't want, want to see that happen, the enemy, right? So anyways, I could have just said, it's going to be too hard. It's going to be too hard. I'm going to put down women's ministry. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to get, do that. And I'm going to focus on just my family because that would have been a lot easier. But I, but I didn't. And so I'm not saying that to boast, and I'm not saying that like in false humility or anything like that. I'm just saying sometimes when we pick up our cross daily, it involves making hard decisions that are not comfortable, that are not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy when you can barely get in the word and you're supposed to lead a ministry. Okay, I'm sorry, but that's, that's bollocks. <laughs> that ain't easy. For me, that's not easy because you have to understand, when I came to know the Lord, it, I, 
was so in love and I wasn't raised up in the Lord. So I just wanted God and to do his mission. That's all I wanted. I was like, I want to serve God. I gave the devil how many years I want to take that many years and I just want to serve. And so, you know, when, when I made that choice, it hasn't been easy, but you know, God calls us to pick up our cross daily and he calls us to continue even when it's difficult continue. You know, we've had a lot of people that have have switched churches and different things like that. I'm not going to get into it, but you know, for me, it's been difficult, but he's called me to dig my feet in and to be here with this body. And that's what I'm going to do until my husband hears from the Lord differently, of course, right? You know, but I'm just saying it's not always easy. It's not always easy, but we still have to pick up our cross and we still have to keep moving forward, okay? Um, I love how Jesus says that it takes a heroic effort to follow him. I just want to talk about what heroic means. Heroic means brave. It means courageous, valiant, valorous. It means bold. It means fearless. It means lion-hearted. It means venturesome, gallant, and noble, and there's even more. So heroic. I feel like what God has called us to do, to the way he's called us to pick our, up our cross daily, is going to take a heroic effort on our part. It is going to take a heroic effort. You know, I'm not the hero. Like, Jesus died on the cross. We know that. So I know some people are like, but it's Jesus. He's the hero. He is the hero. But the effort it takes to do it and to do it daily, Jesus is saying it's going to require all of you to to take upon yourself a heroic effort. When we wake up in the morning and we're thinking about, thank you, Lord, for today, okay, Lord, the gospel, the great commission, it's going to take a heroic effort for you to share the gospel with people. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not. It's not for people, it's, 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 not, it's for everybody, but what we have to put on is we have to put on that heroic mentality. We have to, we have to armor up in the armor of God, and, which we have, which the word says we have, the full armor of God, and we need to go out and we need to share, and it's going to take a heroic effort. It's going to take a heroic effort. So we should be willing to lose our life for the sake of the good news. Not because life is useless, but because nothing, not even life itself, can compare to what we gain with Christ. What we gain with Christ. Jesus wants us to choose him rather than to choose a life of sin and self-satisfaction. He wants us to just choose him. Choose him first. He wants to be first. He wants us to stop trying to control our own destiny and just let him direct us. Let him direct us. And how does he do that? He does that through the word and through the Holy Spirit. You know, he does that in our own prayer time. You know, he'll direct us on different things. So when we submit to God, when we place our life in totality into his hands, through relationship with him and through the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure what else I was going to put, but that's, that was that sentence. So the gift of salvation is free, but we've heard it from people. It will cost, it will cost you your life. It's a free gift. But if we're going to walk it out, it will cost us our life. Our whole life. <laughs> our whole life. In a devotional I was doing recently called pressure, Turn Pressure into Power, um, T.D. Jake says, looking at Christ, we should see that he is making wine out of us and his own bruised place, because it's in the crushing vats that the wine of the grapes and the blood of his feet are mixed. He's paying a personal cost for our transformation. Likewise, it will cost you something to get to be great. It will cost you something to be great. It costs you everything. Regardless of where we find ourselves in life, you paid a price to get there. So wherever you are in life, whatever occupation you're in, Whatever, if you're a mother, a grandmother, a grandfather, an auntie, an uncle, it costs you something to get there. And people don't like to look at this because maybe some people think it's not biblical, but it does. It's a transfer of time. 
It costs us something to get to be where we're at, right? And that's just to say that when we choose a life, you know, yielded to the Lord, it's going to cost us, it'll cost us our life, just like it costs us in other areas of our life. It will cost us our life. So let's see, where am I? Matthew 4, 18 and 19. Four fishermen follow Jesus. Sorry, guys, we're, we're getting near the finish line here. Four fishermen followed Jesus. One day Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon and Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water um, for they fish for a living. Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Jesus told Peter and Andrew to leave their fishing business and start fishing for people, helping others find God. Jesus was calling them away from their productive trade so that they can be productive spiritually, so that they could be productive spiritually. So he called them away from their trade, and if you read the word of God, actually, they listened like right away. They didn't question him. He, he said, why don't you da-da-da-da, put down your nets and follow me? And they said, okay, put down their nets and followed. And then if you read further along, when he's calling a couple of the other disciples, they actually left their dad. <laughs> they left their dad, and they le just left their family member to go follow Jesus. And I found that so fascinating that they were able to just leave what they knew their whole life and to pick up their cross and to follow Jesus and, and be so obedient, you know? They didn't even think twice about it. They just knew. So what would obedience like this, what would this kind of obedience look like today? What would it look like for us today if we, if we stewarded this kind of obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Do you guys think that if we had this kind of obedience, that we would be able to see huge change in Cold Lake? Do you think we'd be able to see Cold Lake get transformed pretty quickly? Because God multiplies things. So, you know, <laughs> any effort we put out there, he, he takes things and multiplies them, especially when it's what he wants us to be doing. Um, I think it would be amazing to have that kind of obedience. So I just, I just kind of asked, do we find ourselves in life in situations where we could be talking about the gospel or we could be sharing the good news, but we're not doing it? Do we find ourselves in situations where we're at work and somebody comes into our office or our place of work and maybe they're having a big problem and they unload on us and you know, do we take that time just to say, oh, don't worry, you're going to be okay? Or do we use that, those times as an opportunity to share the hope and the love of Jesus with them? And I think, I think we should be opening our eyes and opening our ears and just like looking for opportunities like that. I really, I really believe that. I believe that with all my heart that we should, we should have that at the forefront of our thinking every single day is how, how can I go out and Lord just... Keep, keep me aware of what's happening around me, Lord, so that when that conversation comes in front of me, Lord, that I can share, share the gospel. Or Lord, maybe it's I see a need and I can pray for that person. Even that alone is a way of sharing, of sharing the gospel and the good news. It's being a believer. It's being a Christian. I'm not saying that relationships, you know, with our friends that we have that are dear to us are not important. I'm not saying that at all. You know, Jesus is all about relationships. That's why he wants us to be in relationship with him. He's all about relationships. And it's important that together, as a community, we have relationship with each other. I have amazing friends in my life, and they speak into my life. They lift me up. I keep those friendships. It's important. But I'm just saying what would it look like if we focus more on the gospel in our relationships? What would it look like? So could the reason why we're not stepping out um, into our rightful places as believers and preachers of the gospel, could it be because some of us maybe don't know that that's what, what we're supposed to be doing? And that's not what we're, you know, that's what we are supposed to be about. Could it, believe, could it be that some of us don't know that? Could it be, you know, for some of us, it could be fear. 
we could just, we could be like scared to actually step out and do it. For some of us, um, it could be direct disobedience. We're just like, it's just not quite important. Like we've read it in the Bible, but you know, life is happening and we're not making it important, you know? So I just encourage you guys to figure out what that is for you. Figure out what that is for you. And, and, and then go to God with it. He really go to God with it. And what I do when I wanted to start sharing the gospel more, I just say, God, just open the doors for me to be a light to people wherever I go. I just prayed. I asked the Lord. <laughs> you know, I just asked him, just show me, open the doors up, God. I don't want to, I don't want to just be, you know, preaching or, to, or, you know, being with these women and having this Bible study in this comfortable place on Wednesday mornings and then leaving the church and not actually sharing your love and your hope with people. I want to, I want to leave here and I want to do it even more. I want to do it even more because that's what I'm called to do <laughs> is to do it even more. So are we ashamed of the gospel? Mark 8, 36 to 38. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous, sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with holy angels. So we should be willing to lose our lives for the sake of the good news. Many people spend their energy seeking pleasure. Jesus said, however, that worldliness, which is centered on possessions, position, power, all of those things are ultimately worthless. Because we can't, we can't take it to heaven with us, right? To our eternal home. <laughs> we can't take those things with us, right? So whatever we have here on earth is only temporary. And it cannot be exchanged for your soul. It can't be exchanged for our soul. If you work hard getting what you want, you might eventually have a pleasure, pleasurable life, but in the end, you will find it will be hollow and empty. Are you willing to make the pursuit of God more important than selfish pursuits? Follow Jesus, and you will know what it means to live abundantly. So, Caleb, can you come up wherever you are? Um, John 3.16 is just a really common scripture. It's the very first one I learned. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe, believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. To believe is more than just intellectual agreement that Jesus is God. It means to put our trust and to put our confidence in him that he alone can save us. It is to put Christ in charge of our present plans and eternal destiny. Believing is both trusting his words and relying on him for the power to change. If you have never trusted Christ, let the promise of everlasting life be yours and believe. Jesus gives the Great Commission. <clears throat> Mark 16, 15 to 18. And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes is baptized and will be saved but he who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in a new language. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they think something is poisonous, it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. So our mission is the Great Commission. That's my mission, and that's all of your mission sitting here in this place today. God is calling us to rise up. He's calling us to rise up. 
if we if we read the word, you know, there's so much more in the word about this. And you know, we know we have to have our identity rooted in Christ. There's so many other things, okay? But our mission is a great commission. That's our mission. That's what the church is here for. And when I ask God, like, <clears throat> what, what do you want them to know, you know? He wants us to rise up and be obedient to him and just do what we're called to do. Do what we're called to do. Love God and love people. But don't be shy. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Share the good news. Share it with your neighbor. Share it at school. Share it at college. Share it at the school you teach at. Share the good news. And that can come in many different ways, shapes, and forms. For all of us, it, it'll look a bit different, and that's okay. Just as long as we're doing it. We have to be about the gospel. I believe when, you know, we're in the end times, and I believe when we all can come together in unity and focus on this, this one mission together, we will alter the destiny of Cold Lake. I believe we'll alter the destiny of those lives of the people that, that stand beside us, those people we spend time with. I believe we have, we have the power of God inside of us, the Holy Spirit. I have it. If you've accepted Christ into your heart, you have it. We need to know the power we have in us. And we need to be obedient and, and share the gospel with the world. You know, <laughs> the thing is, is if, if, we don't share, if we don't share it, I've heard somebody say, oh, well, God will, God will figure it out, or God, God's big, big enough. Yes, God is big enough. He's big enough. But he sent his son to the earth to proclaim the good news. He's big enough, but he sent his son here to proclaim the good news. So how much more would he want the followers of his son to proclaim the good news? You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.